me. <laughs> Welcome to Bloodbath, the True Crime Podcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Ashley. How was work? So, you want to get right into my good good? Oh, yeah. I fought a fucking fire today. <laughs> <laughs> a legit fire. Legitimately. Like, wasn't supposed to be there. No, someone's backyard was on fire. <laughs> While you were at work. While I was at work. Hey, man, you need some water? <laughs> he wasn't even home. <laughs> I had to run over there with like a... I don't know. It was very, very heavy fire extinguisher. <laughs> I haven't done any running lately. And so. it's really fucking hot in Oregon right now. Yeah, it was like 90 degrees. It's so. not okay. Air Super conditioner is fun. on. <laughs> There's no AC at my school either. Well, I guess we can get into our good good real quick. Okay. Comic-Con. Not Comic-Con. Wait. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Crime-Con. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> canceled it's i really want to go to comic con too okay crime con <laughs> next year yes vegas vegas, vegas. i don't drink <laughs> <laughs> it's okay i'll drink enough for the both of us trust me Speaking i know of which i'll probably be high out of my mind though <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna collab with some people it's gonna be dope two girls it's out of this country there's your hints <laughs> <laughs> firstly i want to say happy juneteenth mm-hmm I don't know if you know what Juneteenth is. I learned it last year. Congratulations. I did. <laughs> Yay. So Juneteenth is a moniker of June and 19th because June 19th was the uh, final day for the emancipation to finally reach Texas. So so slavery was ended. It's a big holiday and it's important to celebrate that along with Pride Month. Yep. And we're doing Pride cases. So we're doing two cases today. Two. We really wanted to bring awareness to... Pride Month and the hardships that people have to go through to have basic human fucking rights. To be themselves. Yeah. So we're going to bring a lot more cases. And going forward, we're going to try to do more double cases as we did in the beginning. But mm -hmm. as a lot of you know, we work a lot. <laughs> and have school. Yeah. I fly planes. I might be starting school. Brady and I talked about that. I haven't even told you yet. Wow. I feel so out of the loop. We're looking into mortician school. You're a freak. I okay. know. Fun times. <laughs> The way I listen to so many YouTube videos and like I've been looking at it for like over a year and a half. It started with nursing school, live people. And then I was like, mm, dead people. <laughs> they don't talk. <laughs> they don't talk. And if they Wait, do, not so my problem. Bad. No, no. <laughs> what are you going to do to these? Stop. No, it's a good thing, though, because like not <laughs> it's a good thing because you're the person that is giving the people mourning their last their last moment. And like, I just, I don't want to be around people who are talking. I really don't. Yeah. But I want to give people who are mourning and want their last view with their loved ones that chance. So I really want to do the makeup side of it where like you do reconstructive yeah. makeup and stuff and you give them that moment. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Definitely really cool. Reminded me of the TikTok I told you about <laughs> with the mom who's like, has the grumpy toddler. And she's like, come on, we're going to dance it out. We're dancing it out. Come on. She goes, you should be grateful. Some people don't wake up. Never mind. I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't a good mom thing to say. Take it back a little bit. <laughs> and everyone in the comments like, nah, keep it real. <laughs> That's, yeah. I don't know how to not talk about death all the time. Sorry, kids. It's, I mean, true crime. Welcome to the, the show. The amount of death in our families and our lives. <laughs> Let's get into it. That brings us the bloodbath. <laughs> okay, so today's episode for my case is actually a Patreon requested episode. Okay. From Zachary Harrington. What's up, he Zach? He did second tier, so second tier gets to pick a case, and they also get sticker. Nice. Bribing you with stickers. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you, Zachary. You really picked one hell of one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's get into this. 
first I want to get into Canada. Okay, Canada. <laughs> Canada. Hey, Canada. <laughs> what the fuck? Canada. Shut up. Canada's gay rights. Canada. Canada. So their gay rights were same-sex marriage became legal in 2005 and that was all over Canada. It was really supported around the area. Like the LGBTQ plus community was really supported. And there wasn't like too much. Like there was love. Love is love. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. We're I mean, it's it. Canada. Everybody's really it's nice fucking there. Canada, except for the guy we're getting into. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, discrimination protection against uh, sexual orientation went into effect or has been in effect since 1996. And LGBTQ plus were allowed to join the military openly during that year as well. Nice. Which is just awesome, but also like, fuck off. Let them join no matter what. Oh, but you yeah. had to be closeted. Like you back in the day was don't ask, don't tell. And yeah, all that shit. So sad. And if they caught you, you were kicked out. Yeah. It's fucking bonkers. Which is really dumb because if you think about it historically, a, like in the Greek and Roman wars your best friend who went to battle with you mm-hmm. was also your fuck buddy. So really it's been around for forever <laughs> for, for, for five ever for five ever <laughs> where people sticking things in each other's butts and that's okay. It's okay. But apparently hush, hush, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. So dumb. Whatever. We support it. Yes. <laughs> so this case is against gay people by a gay man. Yes. Which is also very, oddly you don't see that very often in like cases so <laughs> debatable there's <laughs> really? a lot of closeted gay yeah. people who well, we'll get into it okay sorry yeah all right you know what i mean anyway. there's is also against people of color mm-hmm. and most of them are immigrants from like uh saudi arabia i say all of their names i have their names written out in my notes like what's the word when you put phonetically like the, phonetically Hooked so i phonics. can really try my best and i've been practicing but words are hard for me they really are so you got this You're i do great. i'm trying my best as much as people want to pretend this is not still going on to this day the lgbtq plus community black people people of color and sex workers are still not looked in, it looked into as a priority when it comes to cases true it's so we are going to continue to bring awareness to that like it is within our fucking privilege we gotta use it you yeah. know we are here not to be the voices for them but to heighten their voices advocate exactly so let's get into this monstrosity Can it- <laughs> did i almost do it again <laughs> i think you did damn it <laughs> canada is known for being a quaint and polite not murdering everyone all around the fucking world yeah <laughs> type of place but from tw- 2010 through 2017, a total of eight gay men disappeared from the Toronto area. Bruce MacArthur was born on October 8th, 1951. Fuck you for being born in October. He's a Only Libra. Once. He is a Libra. Yeah. In Lindsay, Ontario, to a deeply religious family. Right, right. This was also part of Canada that was absolutely not open to gay to like the gay scene at all. <laughs> nay, nay, they said. MacArthur had one... No, wait. We're going to call him Bruce because I do not like saying that name. No. Bruce. 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 <laughs> Bruce. Name's Bruce. <laughs> Hiya. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking dolphin. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> not the words. 
Bruce had one sister, but his family would take in several foster children in at a time. Okay. That's a lot of children. Well, they got to, you know, spread God's word. Sky Daddy's word. There would be anywhere from eight to ten children in the farmhouse. From an early age, Bruce lacked the traditional masculine traits, as said in the in the notes. Not I'm not agreeing with that. I'm just stating no, I what know. they viewed it as. Which you know? is what's it's this is toxic masculinity. Yeah. Like, Which we're gonna get into another obviously moment about gay presences and like the media, how they portray them. Yeah. And the victims that he chose. Yeah. So this, ca- this caused some tension between him and his father, his masculinity level that his dad wanted him to have. Well, he's a Jesus-loving farmer. <laughs> farm boy. Can't <laughs> do farm boy. God damn it, Bobby. <laughs> he was not like the other boys. He was known to be a snitch and a stick in the mud. Oh. Whenever the rest of the boys would get into some type of trouble, he'd go run into the fucking teacher and be like, Harold said this. <laughs> <laughs> And they'd be like, scolded. Good boy, you get a sticker. <laughs> Join our second tier, you get a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> his life in rural Ontario forced him to bury his sexuality, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, what is he going to do? He doesn't even know it exists really outside of it. He's probably so fucking confused and why he feels this way. Oh, yeah. And he thinks it's wrong. Mm-hmm. In the mid-1970s, Arthur's... What? Nope. Bruce's father was diagnosed with a brain tumor and was sent to a nursing home. Bruce became disappointed when his mother took interest in another man and grew much closer to his father at that time. Whoa. So they kind of that made him bond a little bit, but it's still, he wasn't allowed to be himself with them. Yeah. And in 1974, when he was 23 years old, he married his high school sweetheart, childhood. I don't really know if they were actually together, but childhood high school woman <laughs> named woman? Janice Campbell. And they had two kids by 1978. Nice. His mother ultimately died of cancer in 1978. His father died in 1981. So that was probably added on to the trauma. A lot of stress there. Of his life, you know? Yeah. We don't feel bad for him, but, you know. You know, losing someone still sucks. It still sucks no matter who you are. Yeah. Early 1990, he then got a job as a traveling salesman selling socks and underwear. Red flag. Traveling salesman. Red flag. <laughs> Red flag. All the way. Red flag. I'm so sorry if you're like a normal salesman and you're just like wanting to listen to some true crime and everybody's just talking shit about you. <laughs> Do not knock on my door. I don't know you. <laughs> I'm so happy they don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I put whatever pays the bills, man. <laughs> so he became very active in his church trying to keep himself busy to avoid examining his sexual feelings towards men. Uh-huh. Which just is so exhausting. Like, I feel like that would just, you're constantly having to check yourself. There's a song from the Book of Mormon about this. Really? Turn it off. Like oh. a light oh, switch. Oh, yeah, I remember. Just go click. Sorry. Oh. Nifty little Mormon trick. That's so sad. I'm so sorry. Just just come over here. <laughs> you could be whoever the fuck you want as long as you're not murdering people. <laughs> yeah. So he began having sexual affairs with men in the early 1990s while he's married. Scandalous. Scandalous. And I have a hard time like being mad about him having like sexual relationships with yeah, like, do while, you because he's trying to figure himself out yeah so finally 1998 99-ish he came out to his wife and family oh so good job they split amicably and bruce moved to toronto to begin his life as an openly gay man yay which like good i don't know we, we we'll never know how amicable it actually was but from what i was reading it it seemed to go well mm-hmm. <laughs> which i hope it would he started an entirely new life in Toronto. He opened up a landscaping business called 
artistic design, which had dozens of clients. And during the holidays, he was a mall Santa. That's okay. That's adorable. It is. And for the fact of what he's doing. To comment on where he moved to. Yeah. There's actually like town, not towns, but like areas. Gay village. Yeah. Gay village. That's where he moves to. Gay toes. They're called gaberville exactly like, yeah they're just they have all these different names for them or like a gaberhood these are actual names they're like they're they're not trying to hide what's happening they're like if you're coming there you're gonna know what's happening so uh, don't be bringing your type in if you're homophobic we accidentally walked into one in palm springs i was telling so many people about that <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean do your thing, but they. But had- when you're not expecting to walk into a restaurant where guys are getting fucked in the ass on TV yeah. and with the outfits the men were wearing in yeah. there, it's it's a little shocking. It's a, yeah. And they looked at us like y'all don't belong here either. And we yeah. were like, we're just gonna moonwalk our way out like, of here. You lost, sweetie. Like <laughs> yes, very. Sorry. Love you. Love what you do. You're great. We're gonna see our way out. <laughs> I was also high out of my mind. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah a serial killer gay santa is what we're working with here god what a title that's that's something <laughs> <laughs> i put in my nose like damn it zachary harrington you really know how to pick them <laughs> the cases <laughs> the cases yeah no <laughs> <laughs> bruce also began exploring his sexual freedom by going to toronto's gay district the church in willa leslie neighborhood I didn't really read too much on Willow Leslie's neighborhood, and I also don't want to say that word too much because I don't even know how I'm saying it now. <laughs> You're doing great. He soon began to show that he was not so jolly after all, though. Uh-oh. But not to, like, regular people. Just to the people he was murdering. I'm not like a regular Santa. I'm a cool Santa. I'm a cool Santa. No, I'm not. a murdering Santa. No, you really fucking are. You're on the naughty list. You are definitely Santa. Krampus. <laughs> yes. On October 31st, 2001... Fucking rude. A few weeks after his 50th birthday, Bruce followed an actor and model, Mark Henderson, into his apartment building after being invited to see his Halloween costume. So this guy's trusting him. Yeah. Jackass. Jackass. God. Bruce struck Henderson several times from behind with an iron pipe that he often just fucking carried around with him. Um, excuse me? Red flag? Santa with a (laughs) pipe? Like, I don't remember the story. No, Why? Henderson fought back, but ultimately lost consciousness. He called 911 when he woke up and w- was taken to St. Michael's Hospital. He had suffered injuries to his head and body and needed several stitches on the back of his head and his fingers, as well as six weeks of physiotherapy. Bruce turned himself in after the attack, saying he did not remember the incident or why he might have done it. Uh-oh. He pleaded guilty to charges of assault with a weapon assault with a weapon yeah <laughs> causing bodily harm and on april 11 2003 he received a conditional sentence of 729 days in jail and a story that that's my story that's it that's it just kidding i wish it fucking was however <laughs> but wait, wait. <laughs> there's more the crown attorney had earlier believed jail time was warranted but agreed to a conditional sentence after psychiatric reports suggested bruce Bruce, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce was a low risk to offend, to reoffend. Okay. They were wrong. <laughs> very, very. He avoided prison completely. What? Spending the first year of his sentence under house arrest. Wow. Following a six month curfew and three years of probation. During this so called sentence, he was banned from church and the town that he was living in, except for he could go to work and medical appointments. 
He had to stay at least 10 meters, which is 30, 33 feet. I don't just know that. I Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> From the victim's home or workplace that he attacked. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, what's fair is he's in jail, but I guess this is the next best thing. Also, listed for what he cannot do is he cannot spend time with male sex workers. Okay. Which this man wasn't a sex worker. No, but I just don't know how he's, they're just adding that in there. Because sex workers are a, a victimized class of people. Yeah. I mean, it's good they did, but I just wonder where they got that from. I just think that if he was to reoffend, they might think that it would be with a sex worker. Maybe. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Not funny. Uncomfortable. <laughs> he was forbid- forbidden to possess firearms for 10 years. He was not to purchase or possess or consume drugs without a medical prescription. Mm-hmm. He also had to submit a DNA to the DNA, a DNA. Some DNA to a database. And he had to go through psychological and psychiatric counseling, including anger management. Good. So, like, he had to go through a lot. But, I mean, if it worked, then I'd be condoning this. Because, like, rehabilitation, right? Yeah, that's what Kananada is all about. Exactly. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't work. So, it's just one of those things where it's like... Mm, does it work? <laughs> Sometimes. But I don't think he was actually rehabilitated. He was just told to do all this shit. It was just like, do this, do that, do this. Mm. Who knows if they were actually truly trying to help? Mm. We may never know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> A criminal defense lawyer found the list of conditions uncommon and suggested to the judge that he was in fact concerned that Bruce was a danger to all male sex workers and the public in general. He was like, if you're doing all this... There must be a reason. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, man? Want to include me? A retired homicide detective noted the parole conditions were unenforceable. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> I wish people could hear the looks that we give each other I during know, those right? moments where it's just like words don't work. <laughs> <laughs> the He was saying that the published, not published, but they were not published or made public. Oh, so people didn't even know. And the parole violators, they weren't caught because if the if the cops weren't there to just pay attention to this, they didn't know. Hmm. How are they going to know? How are they going to know? Literally, how are they going to know? How are they going to know? It's weird how they don't know about this for so many years. So what did he do and how did he get away with it for so long, you asked, Jamie? Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that in your notes? Yes. Oh, my God. So I started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly... <laughs> He picked gay men that were not actually re- represented in the media or that people were really familiar with. Mm-hmm. And also there were people of color. He went for men that are considered bears. Okay. They have big ass muscles, big ass beards and people of color. You know, every cop's wet dream of looking into a case for five seconds and then saying, eh, not my problem. Yeah. That type of case. Just they literally you have one job. You have one job. Find the bad guys. Do your job. Yeah. Listen to what people are saying. Anyway, it's not an episode of Bloodbath without an Ashley rant. <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce had the most perfect job in the most morbid way to get away with this for so long. His MO was the same for everybody. And I want to go through his victims first before we actually get into what happened to every single one of them. Okay. His victims were refugees and immigrants. Some were openly gay. Some were not. And some were homeless and some had drug problems. We have eight victims to get through real okay. quick. His first victim was 40-year-old Skandaraj Navaratnam. Good job. 
Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, his friends called him Scandy, so that's what we'll call him as well. He moved to Connecticut. Can- oh my goodness. <laughs> At least I said psychiatric, right? Yeah. Right? Canada. <laughs> Jesus. I'm never going to be allowed there. <laughs> Menomina. It's okay. I say Canadia. So. Canadia. We love you, Canada. Like we how- love you. <laughs> this is how we say champagne instead of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> now the French are going to hate us. Good job. Jesus. We can't go anywhere. <laughs> Jokes on you, I don't want to leave my house anyway. <laughs> okay, he moved to Canada mm-hmm. in the 1990s as a refugee, and he made a beautiful life for himself in Toronto's gay village. He is reported to be Bruce's first kill. Scandy had a reputation of being a jovial and intelligent uh, being to his friends, and he had worked as a teacher assistant. He has struggled with coming out, but once he moved and started dating Bruce, he started to find himself. He was last seen leaving a nightclub and then vanished. He had just got a brand new puppy. Mm. And when he didn't come home to this brand new puppy, friends were like, okay, time to report him missing. Yeah. So they did. Victim number two is 42-year-old Abdul Al-Basir Vasi. I'm so sorry if I'm butchering this. No, that was good. Uh, we're going to call him Abdul. Okay. I'm giving him that name. Right. <laughs> uh, he split his life between Brompton and a Toronto suburb where he lived with his wife and two daughters and the gay village. So he was not open. Mm -hmm. He secretly socialized there. His wife didn't know. And he worked at a printing company and was last seen at a bathhouse in the village. His family reported him missing in December, 2010. Oh yeah. A lot of these people didn't realize the possible connection that this could have. Well, especially with being closeted, it's, it's so hard to, Say, okay, it's he's targeting and with their backgrounds too. Yeah, like these people are in backgrounds that if they were caught gay, they would be killed. Yeah, not necessarily in Canada, but where they're from, the reason why they found refuge in Canada is this is why. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so third victim is 58 year old Majid Kehan. Majid was an Afghan immigrant who was believed to live a double life as well, one with his uh, family. One with his family in another village, and then the other one in the gay village. <laughs> just get over, get over that name. I just love that so much. Mm-hmm. Bruce admits to having a sexual relationship with Ma- with Majid and employed him for a short time at his landscaping job as an assistant. Wow. He was reported missing by his adult son in October of 2012. Victim four is Sarush Ma- Mamadi, 50 years old, and he was a refugee from Iran. He was married with children and was reported missing by his wife in August of 2015. She told courts, like, after, when we get to the end of this, I'm just going to say it now, that he was her soulmate. Aww. Even, she was totally accepted of, that he was actually a gay man. Yeah. And it just breaks my heart. Victim five is 37-year-old Kirashna Kumar, which we'll call him Kumar. Okay. <laughs> came from a, came from war-torn Sri Lanka. Uh-huh. Do you know where that is? Yeah. Okay. To Canada seeking a better life in 2010. Because he didn't have refugee status, he lived un- he lived underground. Oh, shit. It was immediately noticed when he vanished. People thought it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't immediately noticed when, peop- when he vanished because people just thought he was in hiding okay. since he lived underground. Yeah. Police have said it is not clear how Kumar came into contact with Bruce given he had no clear ties to Toronto's village. Evidence suggests he was killed in January 2016, though. Victim six is 47-year-old Dean Lis- Lisowick. Lisowick? 
<laughs> he was known for loving life and being adventurous, but struggled mentally and fell into substance abuse. Dean was a sex worker, and unlike the other victims, he was not reported missing to the police. Authorities think MacArthur murdered Dean on, on or about April 23, 2016. Victim 7 is Salem Essen, 44 years old, came from Turkey to Canada on 2013 in 2013 and settled his life right into the heart of the village Mm -hmm. as a gay person salem wasn't happy wasn't happy in turkey at all his tender and kind humanity came before everything else said one of his brothers Mm -hmm. essen faced struggles with substance abuse and was last seen alive on the evening of april 15 2017 victim eight anderson Anderson, Andrew, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Andrew Kinsman, 49 years old, was called a gentle giant by all that knew him. He was very known in the village and people noted quickly that he was missing and told the cops in June of 2017. Andrew's disappearance, a white man, Mm -hmm. mobilized the gay community and fueled rumors of a gay killer on the loose. Two months after he was missing, police launched the Project Prism Task Force to investigate his and Salem Essen's disappearance. Wow, so a white man dies, and then you get involved. And then you get involved, which... But, okay, so he did. was a activist in the community. He was, like, super he was prominent. so known, and he yeah. was literally a giant. But you got seven other people, mm-hmm. seven other people that have died before this. And now you, now you care. Yeah. It's just, it hurts. And this is nothing against him, and, like, thank God that they actually started to do something, but at the same time, it's just, open up your fucking eyes. It's a little late. It's, it's a little hurtful. Yeah. So, what happened to these men? Oh, <sighs> some way, Bruce would lure them in. We're not exactly sure how he would go about that. You remember, these are beefy men. Yeah. Like, he's got to go through tactics to get them to where he did. Once he had them comfortable, he would strangle them with a rope con- connected to a metal bar that he would use to tighten around their neck. He would then have sex with their lifeless bodies. He would photograph them after as well, sometimes using props like fur coats or placing a cigar in their mouth. He would also sometimes shave their heads and their beards. And once done with his photo shoot, he would then dismember the men's bodies. Oh my God. And how he got away with this for so long and how he kept the cops away, I guess, is the dismembered body parts. Mm -hmm. He would put them in his landscaping job. Oh, my God. By the end of this, 75 properties connected to Bruce's landscaping business were being investigated. Oh, because they just had different body parts in all their yards. That's so sad. It's terrifying. I'm never hiring a landscaper. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this grass is so green. What do you use to nourish it? Human. Humans. No. Get out of here. Canceled. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. Very. (laughs) Straight to jail. (laughs) Right to jail. (laughs) So how he got caught is there's actually a ninth victim that survives. Mm. When I say survive, I mean survived in the most criminal minds way that you can think of where they're like, doing all their stuff on the show and it's like it's game time we found the house go in mm-hmm. Derek morgan fucking kicks down the door hotchman's right behind him and then they're like boom got you red-handed literally oh speaking of red-handed that's your new podcast i'm so obsessed with red-handed oh my god you have to listen to them they're so great <laughs> but yeah this isn't this victim isn't why they got caught but it, it definitely helps get them locked up i'll tell you that okay <laughs> and he survives <laughs> After a six-month investigation into the disappearance of Andrew Kinsman, authorities 
found the word Bruce on Kinsman's calendar the day he disappeared in June the year before. Suspicious. Mm-hmm. Then they found surveillance footage of Kinsman getting into MacArthur's minivan. His van. Mm-mm. Well, he's a landscaper. Oh, I, oh, damn it. See, it just makes sense. It's it the does. perfect job. Yeah. In the most morbid, stupid way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seeing this footage, though, granted their warrant that they needed. And they were like, yep, time to go. Police went up to Bruce's home and knocked. <laughs> I'm like, stop being so fucking kind. Get in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> what they saw when they got into the house was a naked man handcuffed to a bed with a black bag with no holes wrapped around his neck. Holy shit. Bruce was just about to put tape around his mouth when the knock stopped him. Criminal minds, dude. And he answered the door? And he answered the door. He answered the, <laughs> he answered the door. I don't know. I actually don't know if he answered it or they kicked it down. I hope they kicked it down. I doubt it. It's Canada. I know. <laughs> Can we come in, please? <laughs> The police immediately arrested him and no saved shit. the man. <laughs> they were like, get him in cuffs. <laughs> Victim's, uh, victim nine's name is hidden. His, it's not known. So we're going to call him John. John met Bruce on a dating app called Growler. Mm-hmm. We're not using that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Wait. No. Is that for gay men? Yes. That's right. I do know it. Okay. You know Grindr. Grindr. Not, this is Growler. Yeah, this is Growler. What's Growl- oh. Same idea. Different name. That's cool. Well, I guess I wouldn't use that anyway. No. (laughs) Get in my lane. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. So he had actually been over to Bruce's house multiple times to have sex. Oh, shit. They were were buddies. Yeah. Fucking fuck. (laughs) He had agreed to keep his relationship with Bruce secret and let himself be handcuffed to Bruce's bed. Because he trusted him. Yeah. They were having a good time. That's when the bag went over his head and the cops showed up just in time. Holy balls. Terrifying. Police found all the photos from the murders along with electronic devices from the apartment, including five cell phones, five computers, three digital cameras, and about a dozen USB flash drives. Oh, geez. They found all the photos. Yeah. There, when I was doing my search for this, there's a section where I like, typed, in a na- or typed in his name and it was like photos. And I was like, no. No. It's like murder photos. No. No. No, thank you. That's, I really hope they're not. There's no way they should be up. I just, mm, it scares me. This business we're in. Yeah. <laughs> you picked it. I did. <laughs> I drug you into this. You did. <laughs> Slightly screaming. <laughs> As I like it. What? Oh, God. <laughs> help. <laughs> SOS. Send help. <laughs> I was going to say, say your code word, but they don't know it. Nobody can know it. Anyway, February 2019, at 68 years old, Bruce pleaded guilty to the murders of the eight men, and he was sentenced to life in prison. I mean, imagine if he didn't plead guilty. Like, homie. Literally have the pictures. Did you find these cameras? They walked in, caught you red-handed. Red-handed? Yes. Yes. (laughs) He's like, it wasn't me. (laughs) Wasn't me. (laughs) Wasn't me. He just pulled a shaggy. All you youngins won't get that one. Oh. Back in my day. Anyway. Uh, he would not be eligible for parole for 25 years, which is weird that he would even be eligible for parole. But by that time, he'll be like between 91 and 93. I'm I pretty sure math. that's uh, Canada's policy. It's the really? same in like Utah and like a few other states. It's like you have a maximum have of 30 years or 20 years or something before they and they have to give them a chance for parole because that's... they have rehabilitation. 
supposed. The Santa's not being rehabilitated. Santa needs to go away. Go away. <laughs> Goodbye. But wait, there's a little more. Fuck. There's a man named Sean Cribben that needs some love from us. Okay. If you, I'm going to show you his photo like during his interview for this, and just his photo alone will make you cry. Oh, the the fear and sadness in him. He is suffering from victim's guilt. Sean met Bruce from a dating app. Mm-hmm. He doesn't remember much from the date that he had with Bruce in July of 2017, but he'll never forget it. He remembers the special drink he was given by Bruce and then the beads of sweat that were rolling down from his forehead as he struggled to breathe as his airway was cut off by Bruce strangling him. Oh, my God. Then Sean roommates come home early and Bruce stops what he's doing and leaves. Holy shit. Instead of feeling relieved about his survival, he is plagued by overwhelming guilt. He can't stop questioning why he lived. Sean is quoted saying, people are telling me you were saved for a reason. I just don't know. I just don't know what that reason is. Sean thinks a lot about what ifs and how could I have stopped this? His date with Arthur, Jesus Christ, with with Bruce, Bruce, (laughs) was originally scheduled in May, but was postponed because Sean had slept in. If that day was went as planned, it would have been before he killed Andrew Kinsman in June. He's quoted saying, I wonder if I could have satisfied that killing hunger for enough time to have then spared Andrew. You can't carry that, bud. No. Actually, I wrote this out because it's just, I needed to think about how to say this. But in my notes, I have written, Sean, and those that need to hear this, what you went through at the hands of another person is in no way your fault. And what followed is not also not in your hands. It is horrible and your feelings are absolutely valid, but you did survive for a reason and you have so many people here at Bloodbath to support you. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. Aw. So technically, had 10 victims. Probably more that we don't know of, but... Yeah. The victim guilt can riddle you. Yeah. It's and insane. take you over. And, wow. Um, good job, Ashley. That Thank was you. really good. I hated it. Something fell. <laughs> no idea what. <laughs> that was really scary. I'm happy I got through that before my computer died. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You made it did it so that's the absolutely tragic death of these beautiful eight men yes oh heavy are you ready for some more (laughs) but wait i don't know about ready there's more there's more (laughs) i have a a case that i feel we we have to do there's no way that we can't touch on this one and uh also with the date Mm -hmm. this is the telling of the Orlando nightclub shooting that happened on June 12, 2016. I forgot to mention about the Juneteenth thing Mm because it's in my notes that I was like, let's talk about the Juneteenth thing. Yeah. Um, On June 16th of this year, so literally a few days ago, Mm -hmm. President Biden signed in Juneteenth as an official federal holiday. So it will be on every single calendar printed for the rest of forever. I love our president. (laughs) And it's 2021. Yep, that president. We did it. (laughs) All right, so let's get into the Orlando nightclub shooting on June 12th, so five years ago this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there was the gunman, as we all hopefully know. I mean, it was a pretty big thing. I don't know too much about him. I just know about the victim. So it was a mass shooting. Yeah, I know what happened. I've kind of found this new 
way of like looking at true crime recently where I don't like new true crime. I do, I look into the victims, but when it comes to like, like even Chris Watts, I didn't really look into him as a person. I looked into the family. I looked into the victims. It's probably because it's just so it's just so fresh real to you. Yeah, it's like happening in real time. And to I you. don't want to actually give them my time. Yeah. Well, so I know like about the victims and like what they went through and like all that stuff. But everything you're about to tell me, fresh. Okay, here we go. Culture me. The gunman was a 29 year old. His name was Omar Mateen. That's so young. Yes, he was a U.S. citizen born in Queens, New York, to Afghan parents. In May of 2013, the FBI declared Omar to be a person of interest and launched a preliminary investigation to him after he told co-workers at, at the security place he worked at that he had ties to Al-Qaeda and Hezbollah. Wait, person, they didn't catch him there? No, he's a person of interest. You can't just go on and say, this guy's a fucking terrorist. You have to... Wait, did he do it? No, this Already? is in 2013. Oh. So, three years prior. Okay, so he's talking about something else. Mm, yes he's he's the fbi has him on a list prior okay he's already on the list yes okay sorry so they launched a (laughs) 10-month investigation and that led to nothing (laughs) okay so there are no charges against him um the fbi questioned him in 2014 when a friend of his became a suicide bomber for the nazra front which is a terrorist organization organization in syria are they doing this here in america yes okay the fbi is has a list yeah of people that they think are potential terrorists. Really? And it is a constantly updated list that But are changes. these people in America? Yes. Okay. All of this is happening here. Yeah. So Omar later told a friend he'd been watching jihadist videos recorded by the Al-Qaeda propagandist Anwar al-Awlaki. Are these those uh, beheadings that were happening? That kind of shit, yeah. Do you, oh, I hate it when that was happening. Still is. I know, but remember when it was like all over the news? Yeah, I do. Oh. So he watched those videos just willy nilly. Yeah. Those were his YouTube days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing so I'm uncomfortable. So his friend that he told about watching these jihadist videos went and told the authorities. Good. And they good launched friend. another investigation and again found nothing against him. So they closed it. I mean, what are they going to do? Tell you what you can't watch? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> socks. So Omar had held a Florida fi- firearms license since 2007 because he was working as a security guard. Mm. So. He already had a license. Great. Although his name had appeared on the FBI's terrorist watch list while he was the subject of those act- inv- investigations, uh-huh. it was removed once they were closed. So he was able to buy firearms. That's terrifying. So on June 4th, 2016, Omar bought a Sig Sauer MCX semi-automatic assault rifle and the next day purchased a Glock 17 9mm semi-automatic pistol. Mm-mm. So on June 11th, 2016. Is it wrong for me to say, like, if you buy a gun, you should automatically be on a list? <laughs> like, <laughs> like mean, if you're not going to go kill somebody, why would you be offended by that? You know? It's a whole It'd thing really of, like, list, protecting your rights, the right to bear arms. I you know. know. And, like, you have the right to protect yourself without... But go ahead and protect yourself, but just know that we know. <laughs> like, That's why you have to register it. So, yeah. I mean... I guess there is kind of a list... Yeah, because when they look into the research, like when you murder somebody, they look into the research and they're like, oh, look, you bought a gun. Yeah. Okay. I guess I... Shut up, Ashley. Shut up. (laughs) All right. So June 11, 2016, the Pulse Nightclub was hosting a Latin night, which was a weekly Saturday night event that would draw in a Latino Latino crowd. Oh, that'd be so fun. Right? Super fun. 
Around 320 people were in the club when bartenders made their last call announcement around 2 a.m. on the 12th. It's pretty late <laughs> for the last call. Usually it's on like one. That's because you're you're close. You're used to COVID rules where it's like 11, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, because like 2 a.m. is oh, when the bar California. closes in California. Well, yeah. Florida doesn't. It's, oh my God, we had so much fun in Florida. All, out all night. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so the last call announcement was made and Omar arrived at the club in a rental van and parked it in the parking lot of a car shop next door. He was dressed in a green, blue, and white plaid dress shirt with a white tee underneath and he had on cargo pants so red flag <laughs> sorry i had to bring Attacking some cargo pants wearing people <laughs> fuck my husband yep, there you go <laughs> so he walked towards the nightclub armed with his sig sour mcx semi-automatic rifle and the nine millimeter glock 17th semi-automatic pistol oh my god and at 202 a.m he entered the south entrance and immediately began shooting people oh. bullets ricocheted around the building Officer Adam Gruler was working security that night, and he witnessed Omar shooting two people as he was trying to leave through the emergency exit. I've seen the videos. Adam Gruler fired shots at Omar, but soon realized his weapon was no match for Omar's. Mm-hmm. Omar then went back into the nightclub and began shooting again as he tried to find another exit. He fired with no concern for whether people were already dead or not. He did not aim. He just opened fire. In less than five minutes, Omar had fired almost 200 rounds. Oh, my God. He then began a hostage situation in one of the bathrooms of the Pulse nightclub. Really? Yes. Victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting uh, that were trapped inside started calling and texting friends, family, and emergency services. Some thought the gunfire was firecrackers or music. Mm-hmm. However, a Marine veteran working as a bouncer immediately knew it was gunfire of course he jumped over a locked door and opened a latch door that was behind it and he helped almost 70 people escape i have goosebumps it's like makes me think of the door entangled in the mm-hmm. in the ugly duckling yeah. just like that but like he literally jumped into action to help these people get out yeah one person survived by hiding in a bathroom and covering her own body with other dead bodies i remember reading that which is usually what i always say to people like when we're watching movies or something like what to do like hide under the dead bodies i know it's like awful and that's a and it's not your fault yeah it's not your fault you You have to do what you have to do do exactly survival and this person did it and like i would do the same thing Mm -hmm. there was a man trapped inside the bathroom stall with 15 other people and at one point omar fired 16 times through the bathroom door oh my god he killed two people there and wounded several others Shortly after entering the women's restroom, Omar's rifle jammed, and he discarded the rifle and switched to his Glock 17 pistol. Mm. Two survivors quoted Omar as saying, I don't have a problem with black people, which like, okay. okay. And then he would also say, wouldn't stop his assault until America stopped bombing his country. Your country is America. That's where you were born. That's where you are. Anyway. Other survivors heard Omar claim he had explosives and other snipers stationed around the club scaring them more he also said he was wearing a an explosive vest mm-hmm. at 2 35 a.m omar placed a call to 911 where he professed his allegiance to abu bakar al-baghdadi of the islamic state oh my god police reported that they had cornered omar in the bathroom area and over the next hour omar spoke with negotiators three times for a total of 28 minutes on the phone while these people are just in there with him there's, all the while there's people alive people were injured and dying in agony on the floor 
During these calls, Omar claimed that he had placed a bomb in one of the cars parked outside and stated he was wearing the explosive vest, like I said. Mm -hmm. And that was a similar vest to those, the November 2015 Paris attackers. Oh, I remember that. (laughs) And I cannot stress how much this part pisses me off. Omar searched the internet for news coverage on the attack. His attack that was happening at that moment. Oh my God. Watching himself? Yes. And also exchanged text messages to his wife saying, I love you. He had a wife? He did have a wife. Oh my God. This was his second wife too. And she's another victim. Yeah. There's there's some investigation there. Okay. So at 4.21 a.m., police officers and trap patrons um, succeeded in removing an air conditioning unit from an exterior like of the wall yeah and um people started crawling through that to flee to safety those who escaped told police that omar was planning to place bomb vests on four hostages within the next 15 minutes (gasps) and swat and hazardous devices teams prepared to breach the wall uh, of the building with explosives to like get in yeah at 502 a.m the orlando police triggered the first of several controlled detonations before they smashed through the wall with an armored vehicle oh my oh i my goosebumps (laughs) won't go away yeah Hostages, hostages then poured out of the building and Omar was killing, um, was killed after engaged. Wow. I cannot talk right now. Was <laughs> killed after engaging almost a dozen police officers in a gun battle. Really? So he was shooting at 12 officers before he was taken down. He did it on purpose. It was death by a cop. Yes. So they learned that the claim about the bomb vest was a lie mm-hmm. and there were no other explosives in the club. It was just the guns. He was just saying that, that. was it. Um, many people had stated that they recognized Omar from various like dating apps, really? and from gay websites and gay apps, but nobody's been able to substantiate that evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and they looked through his phone, his computer and everything, and they weren't able to find any sort of, um, you could just have a similar tie face to, to that. people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, he did try to make the claim that he made these for ISIL, which is also ISIS. So Mm -hmm. the Islamic state in Iraq and the Levant and the declaration of allegiance that he made to ISIL in his 911 phone call was (laughs) so contradictory because at other times he said he had claimed solidarity with Hezbollah, which is a Lebanese Shiite militia allied with Syrian um, president Bahar al-Assad. Then there was the Nasra front, a Syrian Al Qaeda client uh, who was in war with Assad and then ISIL. So he was on both sides. Fighting both of the previous groups that I just mentioned. He's so just like, a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. I mean, we already know that, but. <laughs> so because he couldn't dis- distinguish between all of these groups, it was apparent that he was just self radicalized. Mm-hmm. So he was he- trying to find a group to put himself in to rationalize what he was doing, what he wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. So he's called a lone wolf terrorist. Okay. Because he doesn't actually. Re- d- have um, a group what is the word belong to an organization mm-hmm. and he claims ones several that are fighting organizations okay so like against each other so that makes sense yeah like what you're saying not what he did but <laughs> exactly yeah so the shootings at the pulse represented the deadliest single incident targeting the lgbtq community in u.s history and the one before that that was the biggest was june 24th 1973 which was a, a fire on the upstairs lounge in new orleans Jesus. Tens of thousands attended public vigils and observances around the world. The One World Trade Center and the Eiffel Tower were illuminated with rainbow colors for the gay pride. Mm-hmm. Pre- President Barack Obama and Vice President Joe Biden met with survivors of the families and victims in Orlando. 
Obama renewed his call for a legislative response to gun violence. He described the attack as both an act of terrorism and a hate crime. Her man. Attacks on any American, regardless of race, ethnicity, religion, or sexual orientations, are attacks Mm -hmm. on all of us and the fundamental values of equality and dignity that define us as a country. That was President Obama. Yeah. Our man. (laughs) Okay. I have to do this. And we're going to read. It's not you have to do this. We want to do this. And if you're one of those people who's like, I only want to hear the murder, fuck off. Yeah. That's not, we're I'm not telling you that. I have to, like, for, for my own yeah. sanity. So, these are the victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting. I just knew you were going to say that, too, by the way. <laughs> Stanley Almodovar III, who's 23. Amanda Alvear was 25. Oscar Aracena Montero, 26. Rodolfo Ayala Ayala, who's 33. Alejandro Barrios Martinez, 21. Martin Benitez Torres, 33. Antonio Brown, 30. Daryl Burt II, 29. Jonathan Camoy Vega, 24. Angel Candelario Padro, 28. Simon Carrillo Fernandez, 31. Juan Chavez Martinez, 25. Luis Conde, 39. Corey Connell, 21. Tevin Crosby, 25. Frankie De Jesus Velazquez, 50. Dionca Drayton, 32. Mercedes Flores, 26. Peter Gonzalez Cruz, 22. Juan Guerrero, 22. Paul Henry, 41. Frank Hernandez, 27. Miguel Honorato, 30. Javier Jorge Reyes, 40. Jason Josephat, 19. Eddie Justice, 30. Anthony Loriano Disla, 25. Christopher Linoinen, 32. Brenda Marquez McCool, 49. John Mendez Perez, 35. Acria Monet Murray, 18. Kimberly Morris, 37. Jean Nieves Rodriguez, 27. Luis Ocasio Capo, 20. Geraldo Ortiz Jimenez, 25. Eric Ivan Ortiz Rivera, 36. Joel Ryan Paniagua, 32. Enrique Rios Jr., 25. Juan Rivera Velasquez, 37. Yilmari Rodriguez Sullivan, 24. Christopher Sanfiles, 24. Xavier Emmanuel Serrano Rosado, 35. Gerberto Ramon Silva Menendez, 25. Edward Sotomayor Jr., 34. Shane Tomlinson, 33. Leroy Valentin Fernandez, 25. Luis Vielma, 22. Luis Daniel Wilson Leon, 37. Gerald Wright, 31. So this attack was actually Facebook's first safety check feature that was um, uh, used in the United States. So Mm -hmm. when it's people mark themselves safe from any sort of thing like the earthquakes and sort of disaster at all so it was the first time it was used in the united states was for these pulse attacks this was also before vegas right um yes so this was technically the biggest mass shooting and then the next year it was vegas Mm -hmm. at the country music festival so that is the attack on the pulse nightclub in orlando 2016 so the thing about this one is it's considered a terrorist attack Mm -hmm. and it's wasn't it was 
it went through a lot of litigation of whether it was a hate crime on the LGBT com- community specifically because he didn't target them because they were gay, but he did attack a gay nightclub. So it's still con- like Obama said, it's still yeah. considered a hate crime. But there was just a lot of tension on whether or not it was an attack on the gay community. Specifically. Specifically. Those were the actual intentions. Right. Which you attacked people. He picked it out while on a drive, like, with his wife. Oh, my goodness. Like, on his way to, between, like, Disneyland or whatever, he was just like, that's the one. Gross. Yeah. He just picked it out. It's, like, a really disgusting, one of those, like, memes where it's, like, I bet you my husband's like thinking about other women right now, but you're driving past this and you're like, I'm going to shoot that up. Right? Like what a weird thought to be having. And you're with your wife. Like you, I I don't know, like turn it off. Yeah. (laughs) Just why? But it can be Ted Bundy. I guess not. So his first wife, they were only together for a short period. And when he, she testified at the, at the trial for this, even though he was dead. Uh, she said that he had some mental issues. And then his second wife, um, she said that his father called him gay, like to his face a lot. Mm-hmm. And then his father said at the trial that Omar would recoil when he saw other men kissing. So he never thought his son was gay. But then the wife testified that you called him gay all the time. Yeah. Like, so, so maybe it was targeted like specifically that's the whole club. problem with him being dead the the contention just stays because we don't know the truth of whether he was gay whether he was closeted whether he targeted them you know and many people claim that they saw him on gay apps they've seen his face before they've seen him at other gay nightclubs so it's hard to make whatever the truth is be you know be known like as much as we're never gonna know why and as much as that why will never justify an any fucking way what he did it's still a want to know yeah like what was going through your head why did you do this and um like i said his first wife said he was mentally unstable and he would beat her and whatnot so yeah there was a lot of things to unpack there red flags red flags all over should have seen him with the cargo pants said no hopefully we are i mean we are moving forward Mm -hmm. we definitely are i feel like a lot of the the kids that millennials are going to have are actually going to be really good for moving things forward as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the type of people we surround ourselves with gives me hope. Definitely. Like, us in general and our blood bathers that, you know, reach out to us. Yeah. It's emotional. Definitely. <laughs> um, speaking of emotional. So the Pulse nightclub was um, going to be sold and the owner had too many emotional ties to it and decided not to sell and now it's being turned into a museum and a um like a tribute dedication and tribute to the victims they've rebuilt the fence around the pulse nightclub Uh that is now uh up for people putting their art (gasps) for gay artists to like support and like show the victims their love so around if you go if you look it up online there's we're like, gonna go <laughs> it's so pretty like there's like a rainbow fence around the pulse nightclub and so it, in 2022 it's expected to open as a museum and tribute yes so good job owner yeah you did it like you did it you like those feelings of not knowing if you wanted to keep that place are completely valid and even if you were just like burn it to the ground it's totally understandable too but yeah. you powered through that that's yeah. amazing definitely uh 
I just want to end us off on one of our DMs that we got today that I was literally in the middle of a fucking body painting and I was tearing up like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to read it just because I don't want to like, you know, it's just our DMs. But Brittany Dawson. Hi. We see you. We see you. Hi. You made me fucking cry. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you, they, she started her own podcast and she said because of us and that feeling because <laughs> And that's why we drink and morbid is what made me want to start a podcast. And morbid follows us. So like, what? <laughs> what? Help. <laughs> but we see you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, their podcast is called The Brittany and Shane Show. And it's with her and her husband. Not Super sure cute. what it consists of yet, but go fucking follow it. <laughs> anyway, who cares? Yay. <laughs> Thank you. And you Yay. can find us on all of our socials. Bloodbath podcast. I did change TikToks uh, at to match Twitter's at. So like it's like we have a couple things that are the same. So Twitter and TikTok is it's Bloodbath. Okay. And then Bloodbath podcast and everything else. That's just Instagram, I guess. You can yeah. join our Facebook group. You can join Patreon if you want to suggest an episode or get some pen pals. Yeah, we'll going. write you. We're, we it's real cute. Pals. And then pen pals the. Third was it third degree? Yeah, third degree tier is pen pals, and you get new stickers whenever they launch. So if we get a new batch of stickers, which we're getting, they should be coming in tomorrow. I think our our pride stickers are coming in tomorrow. Nice. They're holographic. Yeah, so excited. Uh, you get that automatically every every month mm-hmm. or whenever new ones come out. Uh, rate and review if you're enjoying the show. It means a lot. Just to touch briefly. Yes, we won our name bloodbath. Yes, we see the one stars we are getting from people being mad about it. These people are valid. Their their feelings are valid. They've lost something that they've given their time to. It's unfortunate that the other podcasts allowed that to happen, but don't attack these people. Ever. We know you want to support us like on Instagram when the comments come through just don't don't attack them don't don't give them what they're giving us yeah (laughs) be kind always we have too much obviously too much atrocity in this world these cases that we cover they're enough that we need they should inspire you to be kind people Mm -hmm. always be nice be kind to yourself that's all i have to say just be nice don't be a dick (laughs) just don't be an asshole don't be a dick it's that simple (laughs) uh so yeah that's what's that and uh, I guess we'll catch you next week. But wait, there's more. Bye 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 b